So let us go across to the other side. It's, this is a statement, as we read in Luke chapter 8, verse 22, that Jesus made to his disciples that were going to cross the Sea of Galilee. Now, in order for this statement to mean something to the disciples then and to us today, it's important for us to consider who it is that made this statement, what he said, and to whom he made it. Who made it, what he said, and who, who he was speaking to. It was an interesting situation that the disciples found themselves, uh, quite the, the predicament. A storm so happens to arise, and it gets so violent that it causes the disciples to express a great fear. This for us can serve as a powerful metaphor of our relationship with Jesus Christ, and perhaps as a mirror of how we have responded in times past of trouble, when we are faced with trouble and difficulties, trials, tribulations, Even though we know and we've heard him say that he is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. But it's just a mirror. It's something that perhaps we can relate to. Something that shows us how we have responded in times of trouble. Even though we know his promises. And we know that he has promised to get us to the other side. You know, D.L. Moody said this, quote, God doesn't expect the impossible from us. He wants us to expect the impossible from him, close quote. So we ought to express uh, great faith in the Lord. And that is exactly what we're learning, learning this morning. As I prayed, so it is that it should be for us. That we realize that perhaps we've fallen short at times. And we will at some point in the future. And it's in that moment that I pray that we would be reminded of perhaps these verses that we're going through. That God desires that we trust in Him. That our faith is placed in Him, in no one else, nothing else. Only in Him. But this requires us to exercise the faith that we've been given. No matter how small, the Lord gives us... a. A measure of faith. And for us we are called to just use it. If it's, if it's tiny, if it's small, then, then exercise that faith. Do you believe God at his word? Do you believe that he is able to keep his word? Do you believe that he is able to execute his word? Be faithful, being faithful to bring it about to, to its completion. He tells us that he is and he has. He's proven it over and over and over again. And he will. Again, D.L. Moody said this, quote, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not seem to come. One day, I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, Now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible and began to study, and faith has been growing ever since. Close quote. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. 
The promise that was made to the disciples was made in a statement, a simple statement that Jesus made to them. This was a promise. This was a proclamation by, by Jesus, the Son of God. And as he made this to them, they were simply to trust Jesus that this promise would be kept by him. You can say in this moment, because it was, by, it was, it was no coincidence that they were confronted with a storm, that this would be a test of their faith. You may be in the middle of a test yourself. You may be in something that is, you could say, man, this is, this is a storm. I've never been through something like this. And so I, my, my prayer, my hope is that you would, you would take from this, from what we're learning this morning, the very thing that Jesus desired for his disciples to understand, to learn about faith is that it needs to be applied and focused in and, and placed in the one person who is faithful. That is in Jesus Christ. That as we are tested, that we are found to be true. May what you hear this morning increase your faith. And help you trust in the one who told you. As he tells the disciples, let us go across to the other side. Because he is faithful and he is able. Let's first take a look at the promise. Verse 22 Again, it says, one day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. You know, this, uh, this is a promise. This is, was a statement that was made by Jesus to his disciples as he told them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. From these words, we know that there was no doubt that they would get across. I mean, we could look at this. I mean, we study this and we, we know that God is faithful. Jesus is faithful. He declared, let us go across to the other side of the lake. Jesus did not say, let us try to get across to the other side. He didn't didn't say, let's do everything we can to get to the other side. And he certainly didn't say, let's get in the boat and I, I, I hope we make it to the other side. He didn't say any of that. Again, we need to consider who is making that statement. Listen, if if a kid, if a child made this statement, little kid, let us go across the other side of the lake. You would definitely know, hey, he's not getting us across to the the other side of the lake. He's desiring and he's looking to you. I want to get to the other side of the lake, so I'm looking to you. Let's go across to the other side of the lake. Um, So... Let's go. You wouldn't depend on the child to do that. But the child, uh, why is because he's not capable. He doesn't have an understanding of how the boat functions, uh, the currents, how to navigate. Or does he have the strength and the ability to get anyone across any lake? But let's change the source of that statement. Let's perhaps, perhaps consider... Um, in the event uh, an inexperienced adult made this statement, let's go across to the other side of the lake. And he would jump into the boat, 
Perhaps you would be less hesitant. I would be very hesitant, but, but maybe most people, some people would not be so hesitant. Okay, well, I trust that maybe, maybe they can figure out how to work this boat and get us across to the other side. <laughs> It'll be an adventure. Let's see what happens. But if you had an experienced coxswain, someone who steers a boat, a boat pilot, in other words, if that person made that statement, let us go across to the other side of the lake, it would be different, wouldn't it? You know that, you know that they were experienced, that they're knowledgeable. They have the ability to get you to the other side of the lake. Then you would probably trust them so much so that you may even fall asleep on the boat. Anyone ever gone to Catalina? Some of you? Has everyone been on a boat like crossing some body of water? Yeah, no, you don't want to answer. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Some people will never fall asleep in a boat going across a body of water. Always on the alert. But my point is, the child, well, can't be trusted. They don't have the ability to do that. An adult that's inexperienced, perhaps they can figure it out. But someone who's experienced, who has the understanding, the knowledge, you would trust them more. But let us consider who made this statement. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We consider who made this statement. It wasn't a child. It wasn't just some adult, and it wasn't an expert in navigating the waters. It was the creator of the heavens and the earth. Is the one who is perfectly faithful. Second Timothy two thirteen says, "If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He is the creator of the universe, a sustainer of life, and he is the one true faithful God who brings about everything that he has spoken." Jesus is more than the man who is experienced in driving a boat. Jesus is the one who knew the man before he was even formed in his mother's womb. Again, Jesus is the creator and sustainer of life. And this day that is spoken of in the very first portion of this verse, one day, we should realize that this is the day that the Lord has made. As it says in Psalm 118.24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Consider the one who made this statement. It is he who got into the boat with his disciples. 
You can also read it this way. We see that he got into a boat with his disciples, but we can say God got into the boat with his disciples. How confident would you be if you knew that God was with you in every circumstance? Before Jesus told them anything, he was already with them. He was already in the boat. He said, let us go. He was inviting them to go. To make this um, this point, this is nothing that's new in the New Testament. Something that is true as we look at the Old Testament. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. This is what God told Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus with uh, the 11 disciples after his resurrection and before he ascended said, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. To the end of the age. I'm with you. Come. Let's go. Not Moses. Not Joshua. Not Paul. Not Peter. Not any of Jesus' disciples. Are going anywhere without the Lord. We know this because this is what he promised us. We know this to be true. 
he made this simple statement to his disciples. Simply told them, let's go across to the other side of the lake. That's all he told them. This was the Lake of Galilee. It's um, at its widest point. It's eight miles across. And it's 13 miles long. I'm not too sure how many miles they crossed at, at the section that they were at, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> if you've ever been out to sea, I remember the first time that I went out to sea. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't take too much time for you to realize that no one on shore can help you <laughs> when you are out at a certain point in the ocean, especially because the earth is round. It, it's not flat. <laughs> and because it's round, there's a certain point that you, you're, you get so far from land that you look back and you can't see it. it, it in a small boat, or, yeah, small, that would be a boat. Um, the things I would go on are called ships. And these things, if you're out in the middle of a lake, it doesn't, it doesn't take too long for you to realize, man, I'm out here, it is deep down there, and, you know, some people have some... Strong imaginations. and That's all he told them, though. Let's go. And it says here that they set out. This is his promise, right? Let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. We have a promise, but we also have immediately a storm. Verse 23 tells us, And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in danger. As they got underway, doing something they had done numerous times. In fact, they had experienced fishermen in the boat. Jesus, well, he fell asleep. So this is pointing to Jesus' humanity. He was tired. He wanted to sleep. And so he, he slept. And it was a deep sleep, as we'll see. Someone who is on edge, concerned about crossing a body of water, doesn't sleep very well, if at all. But we see here how a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and in danger. And Jesus, (laughs) asleep. Um, I remember years ago uh, going out to Lake Havasu. This is a long time ago. And I didn't realize just how quickly storms can whip up on the lake there. And we were, um, we were on shore a couple occasions. This, this, one of them, this happened. We set up on the beach. We had the easy ups up. And quickly a, a wind came down took our brand new easy ups and crumbled them on the side of the hill. That was, that was one occasion. And the water just got really turbulent really quick. Um, on another occasion, um, I was on another beach with, uh, with some sea dews. Um, and what happened was the, the storm came down and it whipped up just, uh, just 
some big waves and it was difficult to get them back into the slip and then get them up and safely out of the water. Um, Storms can come quickly. And if you've ever experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. I remember seeing boats that were capsizing, just the bow of the boat, just bobbing in the water as um, the, uh, the lake police were going out there to uh, rescue those who were capsized. You know, it can come up quickly. So you know that these storms can come up suddenly, violently, um, and, uh, and it can get, get pretty crazy pretty fast. This is what was happening with the disciples in this boat with Jesus. But again, Jesus in the middle of this was just sleeping. You see, Jesus himself had no doubt that they were going to get across to the other side. They did have doubt. And some of them, as I had pointed out, were experienced fishermen. They had dealt with storms on the Sea of Galilee as they've gone out to work. But Jesus promised to get them across. The promise. But he didn't promise that it would be an uneventful crossing. Sometimes that's what we, we desire, right? Of course, anyone would desire that. Smooth sailing. Get us across in the manner in which, you know, would cause little trouble. Nice and easy. But Jesus simply promises to be with us. He also said when he goes to the Father that he will send a helper. And he was faithful to do that. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee, our seal for the day of redemption. He is able to get us home safely. But Jesus did warn us. He prepared his disciples well for the things that they would experience. This is where, church, we need to heed this, these words, this warning, this preparation, this teaching, this training up. Matthew 16.33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, not might, but will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We ought to consider in this statement, in this promise, in this warning that Jesus made, we ought to consider what our Lord endured for us. He persevered in the Father's will regardless of what he experienced, no matter what and who was against him. He was falsely accused, imprisoned, beaten, taunted, and then he was crucified. And yet, it pleased him to do the Father's will. John 8.29 says, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And he did it perfectly. But we ought to consider those things that he endured. That he did not allow to be distractions. To be diversions. To take him away from fulfilling the Father's will. And if we are to be like Jesus. Then we also ought to be steadfast. Immovable. And always. That doesn't mean sometimes. It means always. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because we know, according to what was written to the Corinthians, it will not be in vain. 
Why should we be like this? Well, because just as Jesus did, did the will of the Father, we ought to persevere in the will of the Father also. No matter what we're experiencing. Knowing that the Lord is with us. He desires for us to get across, to, to go with him, to finish what he's given to us. But this was the promise. Because from the disciples' perspective, they were in danger. Their eyes, were they fixed on Jesus? <laughs> Not at all, right? They were, their eyes were fixed on the storm and their boat that was taking on water. That's where their eyes were. But rest assured that, remember, God is long-suffering. And they are in the process of learning to put their eyes on the Lord. This is, this is all part of us coming together and studying the Word of God so that we may learn how to more closely resemble God and His character. And we would more consistently place our trust in Him and trust His Word. This is what they're learning. So the promise we have. We also have the storm and we have despair. Verse 24 says, And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. The disciples in this moment were filled with despair, saying, We are, we are in the process. We are perishing. We're going down. At this point, they had... A complete loss of hope. They didn't see any way out. And they simply woke Jesus up to tell him that he along with them were in such a situation that it is most likely that we are, we're going down. There's no way out of it. Again, uh, being a metaphor of... Uh, you know, spiritually, uh, perhaps something that we've experienced ourselves or are in the middle of right now. The storm is so severe that it looks like there's no chance of survival. There's absolutely no way out. I don't see any way out whatsoever. Everyone is perishing. And you even tell God as if he didn't know. We're anxious. We're worried. We're overwhelmed. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's the account of Mary and Martha. Verse 38 says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. 
just a, a, a simple illustration of exactly what we could get tied up in, right? Now, Jesus didn't say that Martha at that point could never serve. There was never another opportunity to serve or a situation where she was to serve. But in that situation, in that moment, Mary chose the good place. But Martha was, she was anxious and troubled about many things. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus' teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen. A faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. A faith that has not been tested, cannot be trusted. I wouldn't put my faith, you know, it, just in, um, in cables that are not test, tested, you know. Would you bet your life on a, on a rope that hasn't been tested? I wouldn't. I, I would have to make sure that it, it gets tested. Like, put something else on it on the end of that line. Before I, I ever put my trust in that. Your faith, you may think that you have this strong faith. But it will never be proven to you until it's tested. It's at that point that you'll realize one way or the other. It's a strong faith. It's withheld me. In Christ. As I am tethered to him. As he is sustaining me. And I am simply trusting in him. Their faith is in the middle of being tested. In, in James 1, 2 through 4. 
It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be, able, may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It's um, in the New King James, steadfast is, uh, is, instead of steadfastness, it's patience that is used. You will only be patient in the Lord if when your faith is tested, it's found to be true. Then you're patient. You know that person who's been walking with the Lord for, I can't say a long period of time, but consistently with him for a long period of time? That is the best way to describe someone who is is mature in the Lord. And then that person... Like, no matter what comes their way, they're not shaken. They deal with it. Of course, they respond to those things. But they're just steady. They're steadfast in the Lord. They're patient. They endure. They persevere. Well, Jesus did wake up. And he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased. And there was calm. When Jesus did this, I can just imagine how the same thing happened in the heart of each disciple that was in that boat. Storm. The wind stopped. The waves settled. It was as if you're seeing the heart of the disciples do the very same thing. No longer turbulent. No longer chaotic. They were no longer in despair. Jesus desires that we have that peace in the midst of storms. You see, they're learning that even in the middle of a storm like that, we can have that peace that surpasses all understanding. This is what he's teaching them. This is what he's teaching us. Are you in the middle of a storm? Matthew 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Listen, I, I understand, and this is where we, we're all in, in the same place. Because uh, I understand it. This does not come automatically. It is something that is learned. Something that when practiced and lived out, deepens our faith. And, and, and we're able to endure these things and persevere through storms better the next time. If we've learned from the previous one. We also have a faith questioned. Verse 25. He said to them. As Jesus addresses his disciples. He says where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled saying to one another. Who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. Jesus would ask questions to help people think through the situations that they were in. What they were perhaps asking themselves to gain clarity. But he would ask questions so that they would walk through them and and help them realize exactly what 
Jesus is teaching them, kind of leading them down the path of that they need to walk and and understand. Jesus had rebuked the storm, but the problem was not the storm. The boat was taking on water, but the problem was not the boat. The disciples, they weren't told that they were victims of their circumstances. In fact, maybe Jesus knew that as they were going to go across the Sea of Galilee, that they would encounter a storm. You see, Jesus' concern was for their faith. This is why he asked them, where's your faith? Oh, you of little faith. where's, Where's your faith? Where is your faith? Do you have faith? Their unbelief didn't put them into the storm, by the way. Jesus was in the boat. But their unbelief was revealed by the storm. I'm going to repeat that. Their unbelief was simply, it was revealed by the storm. Their unbelief was revealed by the storm. That's what happened. Jesus had told them again, we need to have these words just in, in, in our minds and in our hearts. He says, let us go across the other side of the lake. They didn't have faith that they would make it because they didn't have faith Jesus was able to get them through the storm they were experiencing. They had him presently in the boat. He was there. And so Jesus asked them, consider your own faith. Where's your faith? Oh, so that's what we need to think about. Not that you calmed everything down, not that you settled everything and and stopped us from capsizing. No, no, no. So we need to consider our faith. Yeah. Consider your faith. He asked them nothing else. He didn't tell them, I, I understand your issues, I understand your problem. You have every right to be fearful and overwhelmed with anxiety and worry and despair of life. He didn't tell them that. Unless I hear wrong, what he said to them is, where is your faith? That's it, period. Where's your faith? Brothers and sisters, where's your faith? What's your faith in? Who's your faith placed in? Because that's just it. That's, we, we sometimes trust in everything, but the one who is the creator of the universe and the sustainer of life, the one who promises and is faithful, our Savior and our Lord. So how should they have responded? So in my own mind, I'm picturing this, so bear with me. If they, if they placed their trust in Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden the storm came down, and remember their, their, their faith was being tested. It's like, all right, Thomas, shut up, sit down. I know you're doubting, but stop. All right, just sit down. 
James and John, no, no, we're not going to call fire down from heaven and lick up, you know, the Sea of Galilee. We're not going to do that. We know Peter was probably saying the wrong things. Let's just, he told us that we were going to go across to the other side of the, the lake. We're just going to trust in him. Yeah, no, don't jump out. Don't jump out. Stay in the boat. He told us we were going to get across to the other side. Let's just start taking water out. Yeah, I know the, the sail and it's doing no good. I mean, just take down the sail. It's just kind of, let's just row. Jesus told us that we'd get across to the other side. What if we just believe him? What if you just trust him? Too often we're just ready to jump out and swim to shore. Just leave. We're filled with worry and anxiety and Jesus is telling us, Where, where's your faith? I told you. Let's go across to the other side. Who are you trusting to get you across to the other side? This is what I, I so desire for you, for us as a church to get. I remember a pastor telling me a long time ago when, when I was just even considering continuing and the calling that God had on my life. And he told me, you know what? He said, people are fickle. Careful. Oh, you think. You, you think one thing right now. You better be sure of your calling. We are fickle. We need to have our faith tested that we may be found true. That we would be those people that continue in the boat, trusting what God has told us to safely get us across to the other side. Not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in Him. Persevering. Being immovable. Being steadfast in Christ. Because Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Maybe you ought to ask the same question to yourself that they were asked on that day. Where is your faith? And then they asked, Who then is this who commands even winds and water and obey him? Who made that promise? That is who we ought to consider. Because Jesus is not only able to save you, but he is also able to get you home safely. He will not leave you, and he will not forsake you. For those of you who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation. You may be asking, who can get us out of all this? Who can deliver me from this wretched world? Well, Jesus Christ, but what what separates you is sin. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved is what the word tells us. If you're sitting here and if you're not sure about that, if you have never confessed your sins to Jesus and cried out to to him to be your Lord and Savior, then may today be the day of salvation. Because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tonight. And yet, God wishes that none perish, but that everyone reach repentance. May you cry out to the Lord, confess your sins, and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And today, I can promise you if it's genuine, because the word promises us that he'll give us a new heart. We will be new creatures in Christ. You'll have a new desire, a new purpose. You'll have the hope that can only be found in Christ. And you'll walk differently because you will be now settled in Christ, in his righteousness, the free gift that comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. For the church, I'll just leave you with this. Where is your faith? May that be something that you deal with the Lord regarding with. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Lord, you are truly wonderful. You're faithful. You're able to get us through difficult circumstances. Lord, however dire they may seem, Lord, you are are able. So help us, Lord, to keep our eyes fixed upon you. Not the storm, not the... Perhaps a vessel that is sinking, Lord, but just on you. Trusting in you and, and then demonstrating that trust and just loving you. I thank you for your salvation. And I thank you for the abundant life that you give us, Lord, as we abide in you. Help us to do that in Jesus' name.